everybody, and welcome to Time and Attention, the podcast dedicated to helping you become a better, more intentional human being. I'm the co-host of this show, Chris Bailey. This is episode number 84, The Productive Student. You're just the host. Well, we got, we've been getting emails of people <laughs> ask, why do you call yourself the host when Arden's on every episode now? And there's no good answer, except for the fact that you don't want to be called a host. Oh, yeah. This is really your baby. I'm just here to help. And I don't want to be a co-host because then it means I have to do more of the work. And I don't want to do more of the work. <laughs> so um, this is your baby. And I don't want to be a co-host. We can call you a co-host and you can do the the same minimal amount of work. Yeah, I'm very happy with my uh, guest appearance status. <laughs> On every episode. Yeah, I mean, I think moving into the after the summer, we'll you'll, there will be more interviews and stuff. Oh yeah, if, if, yeah. if we want, if we want, it's fun but to hang out. It is fun to hang out, but I just like hanging out with you and talking about fun stuff because I also find personal productivity stuff really interesting. But I have no interest in like hosting a podcast. Well, <laughs> I don't know how this happened. <laughs> somehow, uh, somehow you have been. But this is your wheelhouse, so Econ Corner, though. We do have an update. Uh, So when we left off the last episode, you were about to defend your PhD thesis. And now as we record this episode, you have defended your PhD thesis uh, successfully or unsuccessfully? Successfully. Yeah, yeah, actually just submitted the like revised versions half an hour ago on... I think it's official. Like it's done. Uh, the doctorate is done. So we can call crazy. you. We're going to have to update the description of the show. Dr. Arda Nordstrom. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, a little surreal. Like, you know, that bone achingly kind of tired that you get when you finish something huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really feeling that after submitting it. I've, I haven't ever felt this way. I think this is kind of equivalent to finishing exams as an undergrad or even Mm. comps like comprehensive exams that you do in the first year of your PhD. Some people call them like qualifiers or, uh, and I don't know, there's a whole bunch of names for them, but the big exams you take at the end of some kind of academic year, this feels so much similar, but amplified a lot where it's just been a bit of a long year. So I'm tired. I'm very tired. I don't know if we've talked about this on the show yet, but I have this after handing in, I've had it after handing in each of the three books uh, this latest one to less of an extent, but I, I've come to think of it myself as like a post project depression mm-hmm. where there's this hole in your schedule where that project used to be. And if you need to kind of create fallow ground again to breed new ideas, because you've been kind of hunkering down on that thing. And I've seen how hard you have worked. Yeah. Doctor. It's been six years of thinking about this thing constantly and even now I'm finding where I had to go back and forth and fi- fix like the table of contents in my dissertation, which is such a boring thing to fix. But it means that everything has been sub- substantively done since yeah. for the last week or so. And so every now and then I'll have the thought like, oh my gosh, I should be working on my thesis. And yeah, of course there are other things I should be working on now, but that thing hanging over my head of finishing my dissertation, that's gone now, yeah. which is a weird like it is very much an adjustment. I have a friend who she also completed her PhD about a year ago and she was telling me that it's taken her a whole year to really like fully grasp wow. the fact that it's over. Really? <laughs> yeah. A whole year? A whole year. So maybe in a year I'll 
feel uh, like it's real. How long did it mm-hmm. take her? I think about six years in total. Wow. So about 15, 20% of the time? Something like that. That's a big project. It is. You've, you've been in school. <laughs> How long have you been in post-secondary school now at this point? Oh, it's a scary number. Yeah. Uh, 12 years. Yeah. Wow. I was in, I finished high school 12 years ago so I, and I've been in university ever since. Yeah. So you are a, a professional student. I mean, I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly that actually. Um, so yeah, I think this is kind of what motivated this. I've been in university for 12 years and have been undergraduate, graduate level, coursework based, research based. I've seen the gambit, gamut, gamut. Yeah, I think. Yeah, seen it all when it comes to being a student. Um, obviously, I was in finance and economics at different points in my career or my hmm. academic career. Um, but I've learned some stuff along the way. And with student, students going back to school now, this is a we thought it would be episode. a good time, yeah, yeah, to talk about some tips or strategies for how to be a more productive student. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Me too, actually. This is kind of fun to write. I, I haven't, uh, I haven't seen the list for today's episode, so I am excited to uh, to follow along with you and, and learn from you and figure out how many of these things I wish I would have known <laughs> uh, before be, being a student. Wow, it's it's almost been a decade since I've been out. It's okay. I did enough for both of us. Yeah, but yeah, I think you have us covered. Yeah, all that to say, I mean, so I know, I guess technically, I am a professor now. Nothing we talk about here is guidance from my perspective, my my institution. This is not reflective of the perspective of my university or anything. Oh. These are just things that I learned from my personal. Experience. Do you have to say this disclaimer now? No, I don't think so. Like I'm, no, I don't, I don't know. I just want to make it clear these are like my experiences entirely. The views expressed by Arden Nordstrom on this podcast do not necessarily. No, they're just these are just my experiences. So that's all it represents. Just me and my little life. Cool. Yeah, but. So I've kind of broken down this into big stuff and little stuff. Okay. And the big stuff, I think the first thing when I was trying to think about what did I learn from going through so many years of school, one of the big first things that came to my mind was just do all the problems. Do all of the problems that any instructor will ever give you. Like if they're oh. going to, I think this is probably more applicable for kind of empirically oriented disciplines like engineering or science or Empirically economics. meaning practical? <laughs> no, not at all. Oh. Um, I really don't want to say it's not practical because um, empirical things just, I think, traditionally mean there's more kind of math or quantitative components in what you're studying. Oh. Um, qualitative evidence and qualitative disciplines are still very practical. I think like social work is a great example of that. And, yeah, yeah. and I mean, I don't want to call out any because there are lots of really, really great qualitative disciplines. So I'm not trying to cut and dry that way. But I, I guess I'm realizing now on the podcast that I don't know what it empirical means. So I just looked it up. It says based on concerned with or verifiable by observation or experience rather than theory or pure logic. Oh, that's so much better. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to use that. Okay, that is a much better way of describing that because I'm an empirical economist. It's, it's, so. a, it's the definition. <laughs> I should yeah. really know that. Um, okay, well, that's a great definition. And I think so four fields that are more empirical there are almost always going to be practice problems. You can do all of them. Like you don't need to have them assigned by your professor if there's or your instructor. If there is a textbook, if there is any kind of resources, you can almost always find practice problems even if they're not assigned. If they're assigned, even better and always do them. Like I used to go into exams where we had been assigned like 40 or 50 practice problems. Of course I'd done them all. Yeah. And other students hadn't even looked at them. 
And of course, the exam is usually based on a lot of the practice problems. It's so true. Yeah. And I can't I can't count the number of exams where the questions on it were the exact same ones yeah. that I'd seen before. Or super similar. So, and I often yeah. didn't do them. Yeah, you're that you're that guy. I'm that, that guy. Yeah. So yeah. if you're given practice problems, do them. Do them more than <laughs> once. Do them with people if you find that useful. I know I had a couple classes with people. Uh, I'm thinking back to my financial derivatives course. Ian probably, oh, I think boy. he listens to this podcast. Oh, so hey, Ian, Ian, if you're out there, thank you for getting me through derivatives. That was an awful course. Did he do the practice problems? We did. We did them all together. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and that was super useful to kind of bounce ideas on how to p- solve them with somebody. And this, I did the same thing with like my master's econometrics courses and even all of my PhD classes. Doing practice problems with people can also help you get you out of your head. So He's a good that cook can be helpful. too. He's an excellent cook. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so that said, if you're going to do problems or practice, like if this is a qualitative or a more less empirical course, do essay questions, Mm. make sure you get into the practice of writing. If that's how you're going to be assessed, make sure you're good at writing. That's just do the things that'll give you practice on doing what you're going to be evaluated on. And that said, sit with problems. That's the other, the next kind of tip is really make sure you give yourself time to think through problems. If that means you need to sleep on something, if that means you need to switch to another problem while you're kind of mulling off something else over, maybe it means you go for a walk or go for a run. Just make sure you give yourself some space to think over things that are hard. University and college is is intended to be difficult, right? You're there to learn things. And that's going to mean pushing yourself to think about things that you haven't thought about before. And that might take time and it might be hard. So Give yourself time to sit on problems. And I always found for me in particular, sleeping on problems is just a huge game changer. Episode 35. Yeah, we did a whole episode on it because I think it's just a a super, super handy tip. So if you're finding you're going through a problem or you're trying to write an essay or trying to write some kind of debate note or something and you don't know how to tackle it, Sleep on it. Go for a run. Like if you're really at a at a at a big wall, mm-hmm. think about it and give yourself some space. That, that's that's kind of related to you know. I was thinking a, a month or two ago, if I had like one thing that I regretted from university, what would it be? And and I think it was that I wasn't curious enough. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I wasn't involved enough with the questions I was answering. It, it, you know, some classes are are str- in my opinion, you know, are structured so poorly. That it just get they get you to regurgitate facts, and you, you have to kind of get through those classes. But even those, you know, I wish I had approached things with a bit more curiosity. And I think that this is kind of related to that point where when you have that curiosity behind what you're doing, it'll drive you forward in your degree. And if you don't, maybe that's a good sign to to switch degrees. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly what I did. I, I started off in finance, and I realized that. The people around me weren't very curious. They were <laughs> just money driven. They, they weren't that interesting to me. Uh, so I switched to management and marketing, still in the business school. And I loved those people. I found that mm-hmm. they thought like me. I found that they worked like me. I found that they were curious like me. And I found that the problems that I encountered were far more interesting. And so sometimes encountering constantly things that you're not interested in is a sign that something could be more interesting somewhere else. Yeah, I think a really important thing to go into college or university or whatever kind of education you're in, um, thinking of it as like a, this is a really unique opportunity in life, especially most people go into university or college 
right out of high school. Yeah. Um, so there are just so many things you can learn, not just in the classroom. Like you can learn what you like. You can learn so much about yourself and your preferences as well that I think really trying to take advantage of this very unique window of time where you have just more time than you'll probably have for the rest of your life to kind of explore and really learn things and broaden mm-hmm. your horizons, that's never going to happen again yeah. for most people. And so, that, that uh, includes the people yeah, you meet too for at, sure. at the, in that environment. Yeah, I mean, I think university is a wonderful place to meet people. There are going to be people who are interested in the same things as you. Maybe that's not in your field, but maybe it's in extracurriculars that you're part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are just so many options to meet people. I went from I went to a very small high school where if you didn't find people who were really into the same things as you, there were just no other people. So you, you had to get along with the people there. And so going to university, you can meet such a huge variety of people, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. And it's also because everybody in university has... I mean, not everybody, obviously there are a lot of people who have to do multiple jobs or have families or have other commitments, but a lot of people in college and university have a lot of time and have more time than they probably will after university when they're starting jobs and families. So it's one of the kind of peak times to meet friends and make new relationships with people. Yeah. And that's why so many people's friend groups are from people they knew in college or knew in university. It's just a huge, um, a huge opportunity to meet people and kind of network with your your colleagues and your future friends too, not just colleagues. Yeah. And, and, you know, the people that are in the same program alongside of you, they're going to enter the workforce Mm -hmm. in the same field that you will enter the workforce into. And so the, uh, the closer, you know, these people, the more, uh, the, the more of a professional network you'll have too, when you leave. Yeah. You might also meet your partner. I met you. We met each other in university. Hello. Yes. Um, (laughs) But back to that sitting with problems idea. Yeah. I think one of the important kind of takeaways from if you're going to give yourself time to really sit with problems and really kind of dig into things that you're trying to learn, a part of that is going to involve being able to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, almost every college or university will give you some kind of outline or syllabus at the beginning of the term that gives you all of the dates of all of your due dates. You have basically a four month calendar built for you four months ahead of time. You know exactly what deadlines are coming up. You know which weeks are going to be busy. And that is just such a beautiful way to be able to plan ahead. Obviously things happen. I got, I had to go to the hospital one time during a midterm. So we're not during, but like the night before a midterm. And if that happens to you, it's going to disrupt your plans for sure. But all that to say in general, you have four months that you can block ahead where you know exactly when you're going to be busy. You can know when you're going to need to prioritize different projects or different tasks. And I think that if you can get good at that, that's a skill that will go for a long way even after university. Yeah, and uh, it was I, I still have vivid remem- memories. There, there was a Starbucks near <laughs> our university and I would go there with just a notepad and I'd write down every single due date for every single course that I was taking and figure out, okay, where do these cluster together? Because that's going to be a, yeah. a, a very difficult time if I don't plan ahead. <laughs> like There should be a way to smooth out that kind of work by working on things ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And then that gives you more of an opportunity to actually hang out with people and enjoy yeah. yourself. It's not as if, uh, it, I think this is one of those cases where uh, a bit of planning ahead of time can really create more enjoyment down the line instead of just like more sheer productivity and better grades. Yeah, it could be easier too and, and more fun. Yeah. I think procrastinating, it happens to everybody. Everyone procrastinates. Don't beat yourself up if you're procrastinating, but it makes you stress twice. You have to stress while you're not doing the thing. And then you have to be extra stressed while you're doing the thing because you don't have time. 
And I fully appreciate that sometimes a deadline is more motivating than anything, but internal deadlines are also deadlines. Like if you know Mm -hmm. that this week you need to work on an assignment for whatever class, because next week you have to shift gears to preparing for the midterm you have, there's no other option. You need to do that stuff. And doing it in a kind of prepared way or pre-planned way allows you to have some time off. Like you can spend your evenings without stress, which is very nice. So try to plan ahead. One thing I did every term at the beginning of the semester, I'd print out these four month calendars. We can put a link in in the the show Mm. notes for a template that I like to use where you can print however many long weeks you want all in one block. And then I would write down all of the deadlines that I had, including things and also like events. So if I had reading week, if there was a day off, if I didn't have class a certain day, I'd always write that stuff. Write it all so you can see what your whole four month looks like. Don't just look month to month. Look at the whole four month calendar and figure out where you need to adjust. Did you ever use any of those apps that let you plan ahead and map out your uh, school year? No, I was super old school. I had a printed version and I had it in a piece of paper on a piece of paper that I printed and put in like the front kind of plastic window of a binder that I used for all of my classes because I used the same binder for every class and I would just have like that week's notes and then I'd file them when I got home so I didn't have to carry around five binders on campus. And it was always kind of my go-to. But And I actually still do this. I always print out four-month calendars, even though I'm not a student anymore. So it's yeah, very useful. But I'm sure there are apps. I just don't use them. Yeah, I remember playing around with different apps. I, I think, you know, looking at a list of them here, iStudies with a Z Pro uh, is one of them. <laughs> my Homework and Power Planner are... Uh, examples of some that are student planner apps. But for some reason, I'm kind of like you, where uh, I didn't find any of these really stuck with me. I loved getting my hands dirty and like really just writing out the deadlines because I found that helped me to internalize them more. Instead of, you know, stressing about seeing a deadline on a screen, I could actually write it down and internalize it and remember it and realize when they cluster together and do do some of that logic myself uh, instead of relying on an app to do that. It's, it's, it's calming. It's more yeah. calming that way. It's less stressful. You, you don't feel like some app is running your life. You feel like you're running your life. I mean, that said, I do love things. I feel like if yeah. I'd had things as a student, it would have been useful, but... Um, yeah, apps are whatever you put into them. They just have to find what works for you. So next suggestion, and obviously all of these are suggestions, figure out what works for you, but do co-op. Like co-op was one of the best decisions I ever made in university. And this is cooperative education, I think is usually what it stands for. And a lot of universities have a co-op program or an internship program. Some universities don't call it co-op, they call it internships. I think in the States, internships might be more common. Um, but in Canada, a lot of universities, um, including ours, had co-op programs. And it means you just get to spend your summers, sometimes a different semester, um, employed. And this, you, you're, you're usually paid. So these were paid co-ops, uh, co-op internships that we had um, where you get to try actually working in a real job while you're in school. And it's a great way to not only get experience, but also figure out what you like. I went into my first co-op job thinking I wanted to work in supply chain management Oh, um, oh, why, I'm why clearly would you, not doing that Why now. would you want to do that? <laughs> I mean, it, I thought at the time, I think <laughs> in hindsight, I, I understand why I thought that would be interesting because it's really just a way of solving problems and trying to find more efficient ways to, to use resources, which okay. is what economics is, right? Yeah. Like that is what I do now. I just do it in more social pro- applications and supply chain management typically does. 
Um, but I think having gone through that, I knew going through that job that I knew I didn't want to work in supply chain management, but I did love working with data and solving those kinds of problems, which led me to my next job, which was in the government where I worked as a kind of data scientist for Employment and Social Development Canada, which was awesome. And that eventually led me to the work I do now. And so, I mean, you might not feel linear at the time where you might be in a co-op job that you hate, but figuring out what you don't like is also important. So trying things is a really big part of university or college. And also, I think people go into college thinking they need to know what their major is going to be. I think everybody I've ever met has switched degrees at some point. So go into university with an interest and allow your interest to change and evolve. Like this is a really formative time in people's lives for most people. Obviously, some people come to school at a later age or a later stage. Um, but for a lot of people, it's kind of their first foray into adulthood. And figure, if your interests change, that's okay. And it's totally normal. And for co-op and internships, hopefully paid yeah. internships, <laughs> um, you double your network. Yeah. And chances are, unless you want to go into academia like uh, Dr. Arda Nordstrom here, uh, professor of economics at Carleton University, the workforce, it's where you're going to end up anyway. And so mm-hmm. why not go in a bit early? And increase that network, increase the opportunities. If you do a good job, they'll remember you. Uh, The jobs that I had um, throughout university, I received a few full-time job offers when I graduated. And I wouldn't have gotten those offers if I hadn't worked those internships. They are a direct result of those internships, uh, those co-op placements. And if co-op or internships are a structured part of a degree that you're considering Uh, For me, that was a deal breaker uh, when I was choosing between university programs. I didn't even consider ones that didn't include co-op. You know, A, they funded Mm -hmm. some of the university, but B, they allowed me to actually graduate with some real world experience, which can be hard to get. So when it's structured in a program like that, uh, it can be a great bridge to what you do after. And also a, a great opportunity to find out like you were saying, more examples of what not to do. Uh, I remember doing a co-op placement. I wanted to be a teacher growing up. And my high school uh, offered a co-op program and I worked in a classroom for a semester, uh, just like one period a day. And I I found that I really didn't like it. I I found that the idea of the profession did not match what the day-to-day was like. Mm. And I think so often that's the case for university. We have this idea of what professions are like, but then we get to the profession and we find that the day-to-day is completely uh, just unmapped to that idea, that sepia-toned idea of what it's like to be a nurse, a teacher, you know, you name it. Uh, and so it's a great way of filtering what career will work well for you. University, college is four, five, six years. Uh, a career lasts decades. And so it's a great way of experimenting with a few alignments for where you want to go. Uh, at least that's my experience. Yeah. If, if you're in sciences, another kind of analogous equivalent to that would be um, working in a lab where I think mm, in, yeah. in other disciplines, co-op is really relevant and more common. But if you're in sciences and or engineering and there are faculty who are running labs, a lot of them are looking for students. This are, and this is an awesome way to get exposure to the field that you're in. So if you can yeah. volunteer to help with a lab or, or maybe even get paid to work on a lab, some of the work might not be awesome. Like they might just be getting you to clean beakers or whatever they do in science. I don't know. I'm guessing that, yeah. <laughs> but I have seen sci- like students in science end up getting citations out of this or getting oh. publications out of this because they were part of the lab and got to learn how a lab works. 
I don't even really know how a lab works, so that's very exciting. I'm guessing they clean beakers and put baking soda and, and vinegar into them afterward. Yeah. Everybody's just doing grade six science at yeah. university labs. I don't think they evolve much. <laughs> I mean, my... I've seen the labs at some of these universities and they're pretty impressive looking, so I'm yeah. guessing there's more than baking soda. Well, there's a lot of vinegar too. Any yeah. other big pieces of no, advice? I'm going to jump into some of the more oh. small tips. Okay. Uh, I think the first one is take good breaks, like get better at taking breaks. You're going to need breaks and everybody's going to take them. Some people are going to default to just binging Netflix and that's fine. Everybody watches TV, whatever. This is a a reality. So if you conditional on the fact you're going to watch TV, (laughs) do it smartly or intelligently where if you're going to spend some time watching something, don't just watch YouTube on autoplay. So it just starts the next video without you even thinking, don't just watch a show of Netflix, maybe commit to watching a movie. Cause once you finish a movie, you feel satisfied. There's a conclusion. It's over, right? You've been led through an entire plot. Line. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe just watch a movie. It's a two hour commitment rather than, I mean, if you watch like Gilmore girls or something, it's 12 seasons or something of wow. 24 episodes that are all an hour long. That's a huge commitment. And if you just kind of go on autopilot once you've turned on YouTube, that's a huge waste of time. So it goes from, I'm just going to take a break to, I just lost like three days of my life watching some show. Um, and Un- unless you find you're able to binge uh, intentionally. Oh, for sure. If you if this is something you can just do when, at, at, at your will and you're not finding yourself just kind of defaulting into these these patterns of autopilot, that's fine. Kudos to you. But a lot of people cannot do (laughs) that. You're not one of those people? I mean, I just don't even give myself the space to be one of those people. And I I find it's so much more satisfying to just watch a really good movie for two hours than watch like 24 hours worth of content. That's just, it's so monotonous at that point. So It's it's gotten to a point for me where I'll I'll see a new show, somebody recommends a show, and I'll see that there's like seven seasons Mm -hmm. and each season has 16 episodes that are like over an hour each. I think, oh, (laughs) I see two doors in front of me now. Yeah. Uh, Behind door A is this television show where I lose all this time, but I, I guess I get the experience of having watched the show. But B is I have that time to spend yep. on other things as I want. Yeah. yeah. Nothing um, wrong with TV, obviously. Wrong. But If that's how you want to unwind, that's awesome. Episode number 78, taking breaks, if you want to delve more into that topic. Nice. Next small tip, always have a pencil with you. Oh. Just always. Even if you're not in an exam, I feel like there's always stuff to write down in not school. A, not a pen? Pencils are just so much more forgiving. Oh. There's an eraser because people screw it. up. You have no, to mechanical pencils oh, mechanical. are just oh, okay. the bomb. Like always carry a mechanical pencil with you. There's an eraser. You can refill it. It's just great. And um, a pocket protector. You don't need that with a pencil. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but that said, a kind of more hardware type tip, always have backups of things. Yeah. Everything goes wrong during exams. Like if you don't have an extra calculator, that's the one time your calculator is going to die. You brought two calculators? Always. Wow. For my comps, I brought three because I was so paranoid <laughs> that this would die. And it turns out I needed almost no calculators because it's all like math without calculators at that point. You're just doing proofs. But if you do end up in an exam and you need a calculator, bring a backup. They're cheap now. Just get a cheap backup calculator. Um, also bring extra writing utensils. And if you have long hair and you like to tie it up, bring an extra hair elastic. I have broken so many hair elastics when you're like frantically putting your hair up and one breaks and 
that just sucks. So make your exam writing process as stress-free as and possible for what, you. One tip I might add, that's, that's good advice. Uh, really check the requirements of what you're allowed to bring. Uh, there was one exam that I took. I think I've told you this story, right? Yes. Uh, where uh, my friend Megan, she wrote this beautiful equation sheet for the exam. And, and in the, some fields, you are allowed to bring a, a formula sheet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I, I wasn't cheating <laughs> um, on that exam. No, I didn't cheat on any exams, obviously. Uh, but So she photocopied this uh, equation sheet for me, which you needed to complete all the problems in the exam. And my professor came by the table that I was writing that, that exam at. He said, oh, that's not an original equation sheet. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, oh, you didn't write that yourself. And then he took the, the page off of the desk in front of me and he tore it in half in front of me mm-hmm. and crumpled it up and put it in his pocket. And I still remember, Yuri, if you're listening to this show, I still have not forgiven you, uh, but I still remember this. And so sure enough, you know, when I got home on the list of requirements, it was uh, an original equation sheet. Uh, I feel <laughs> some leniency would have been uh, graceful uh, on his part back then. And I did do well in the course, I think, despite, despite <laughs> his best efforts to the contrary, but do, do check out the requirements. Yeah. And I, mean, I hope that, you're not one of those professors. I mean, that just more generally speaks to the kind of suggestion that always read the outline. Yeah. Always read the course outline. So many questions that I would have and I was about to email the professor about was just in the course outline. And then you're going to get an email back from your prof saying, read, please read the course outline. And you just made a, a course outline. I did, And yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of answers to things that I, people I mean, will I ask. I mean, I hope so. It's intended to be useful. But I think a lot of students just don't realize that the course outline is intended to be kind of a contract. In a lot of cases, it's like a contract between you and the, the instructor. Mm. And so if you have expectations about the course, it's usually in there. And so... Looking at the course outline before you send off a stressed email is just a good way to save your save face a little. Um, Love it. Okay. Other than that, student time, again, this kind of, we spoke a little bit about this, but student time is very weird. It's very unstructured, right? Yeah. You might have 15 to 30 hours of class a week. And then ever, other than that though, your time is really unspoken for. Which is why procrastination yeah. veers its head. Uh, episode number 27, procrastination triggers. There you go. Yeah. So... But I think uh, trying to use this as an opportunity to really build good habits will go so far for not just your student life, but also your life after, right? I became a runner during university. It became my way of dealing with stress and has now become like a lifelong habit. Um, So figuring out a way to to build routines, maybe this means you go to campus every day. That's a great habit for like later on too, where you just show up every day and do the work and then maybe have the evening off. Like obviously that's not going to work every single day. But I think for a lot of people, I think university becomes a bit scary and unstructured and building in structure is just a really good way to build habits. And part of that is also take this time to learn how to manage money. I just, I feel Mm. like this isn't directly being uh, like how to be a student. That's not that kind of advice, but I feel like a lot of students, it's like the first time they get a credit card. It might be the first time they've ever had the responsibility over their own personal finances and just taking a quick class or reading up on how to manage your own money will go a long way. Um, Yeah. I saw a lot of friends struggle with that and I think it's a useful skill. Yeah. And having that scarcity mindset in university uh, if you do manage your money well in university, that scarcity mindset can follow you elsewhere too. Mm-hmm. And you can save a higher proportion of your income. You can buy back more uh, financial freedom later. It, it really sets you up well, I think, for the future. 
Yeah. So just think about your student time as a time to invest in good habits. Obviously that takes time to, to develop, but um, you have the time and flexibility for a lot of people that will be true. So to, so take that opportunity. Um, another couple quick, small things, edit stuff, use Grammarly. I, I just, <laughs> I, I wish I had Grammarly when I was a student. It just didn't exist or I wasn't aware of it when I was in my undergrad, at least. Um, it is so useful and so free. Like <laughs> there's a not varying degrees of free, but I mean, Grammarly is free to use and it's very good. If you have trouble writing or maybe English isn't your first language or whatever language you're writing and maybe that's not your first language, I think it's it's useful then. It's even useful if it's if English is your first language and you're writing in English. So edit things, it can go a long way. You can find things that are just make you look dumb if you don't have them fixed. So um, unfortunately, that's the reality that people do judge your writing. So do edit things. And then um, get good at really short, pleasant emails. I think part of being a student is like learning how to do these basic things, including writing emails. Just take yeah. that time to get better at writing emails. And then... Last but not least, and this is kind of a weird one, consider taking the bus to school. Um, oh. This is a bit of a grab bag at the end of the video or at the end of the episode, I guess. But consider taking the bus. I had to take the bus. It was about 45 minutes each way if I made all of the connections appropriately or optimally. Um, and it meant that I read all of my textbooks on the bus. I didn't have to do any readings outside of school or outside of the bus, basically, which was awesome. You can do all of your readings on the bus if you if you are capable of reading. Obviously, some people get motion sick, um, but if you can find a way to read on the bus, it's just a good use of that commute rather than listening to something or just listening to the radio or music. It's just a good way to use some time that you're going to be spending otherwise. So, Good stuff. Yeah. Hope that helps. For emails, do you like uh, do you like Doctor Nordstrom? Do you like Professor Nordstrom? Do you like Arden? Arden's fine. I do you, think. Uh, do you think uh, some people are sticklers for that? I was. Uh, oh, I was emailed. Certainly, for, some people are, and for, I always err on the side of being overly formal the first mm. time I email someone because you don't know, right? Like you don't know their preferences. Yeah. Um, erring on the side of professional or more professional, I think, is a good. A good word of wisdom, I guess. I don't know. I'm not an email expert, but that's usually where I, I, I start formal. And then if they write back best, whatever first name, I'll just use that, but let them make the call. Don't decide for them. Hmm. I always just did the first name. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of people do it yeah. really. Also, this is a very th easy thing to overthink. <laughs> my, my comment yeah. about email was just that this is probably the first time that a lot of students are actually going to have to send a lot of email. Yeah. The first time oh, people true. are really engaging yeah. with email and it's, one of those things that you just, you probably didn't have a class in high school on how to be good at email. So think, think about how to write good emails and don't make them super long. Nobody reads long emails. So no, I feel like learning to write emails was one of the most useful things I learned in co-op. I didn't learn that in school. <laughs> and I wish I had thought more about that in my earlier, the, earlier uh, years. The five sentence rule, a uh, super yeah. handy tactic for emails, just a note you put in your email signature that says something along the lines of, uh, to respect your time and mine. I keep every email I send to five sentences or less. Uh, great little tactic that uh, forces you to be concise. Yeah. Yeah. Just something I wish I had thought about. All of these are things I wish I had thought about when I was 18 and started college. And now I'm 12 years in and I've learned some things, I guess. Love it. A <laughs> lot, lot of good stuff crammed into uh, this episode. Yeah. I hope it helps. Uh, if any of you are students out there, I hope this helps. What if yeah. they're not? 
If you're not a student, I feel like some of this is also useful. Like, Do you think they're still listening if they're uh, not a student? Yeah, they might have checked out. But if you did and, and you made it to this point, I <laughs> hope some of it has been helpful. Um, yeah. Yeah, lots of good tips in here. And, you know, e- even if you're not a student, I feel advice like this makes you think of other things that are relevant to what what it is that you do so yeah i just love hearing about how other people other people's experiences and what they've learned from things because yeah you can learn something from anybody love it Mm -hmm. so that my friends concludes another episode of time and attention time and attention.fm is where you can find the show notes for this podcast and the pdf what was that PDF? It's like a planning PDF that you uh, you're putting together. Oh, it, it's a template. Oh. It's a website that just oh. you. It has a template maker that you can build for whatever length of calendar you want. Oh, yeah, amazing! It's great. Oh, yeah. so that'll be linked there too. Timeandattention.fm. There's the show notes. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we'll see you in a couple Tuesdays. Bye.